Merry Christmas. No way, man. After that, you got to be kidding me. Ready? Merry Christmas. There we go. Great to have you guys here. Great to be celebrating with you, man. That was some awesome time in worship. Amen? Amen, amen. Yeah, I love being able to make much of our Lord and Savior. I have no idea what the number even was up there. Something like 120 people on the stage. Praise God for that. And uh, man, just love being able to make much of his name in this season. So here's the deal. Let's just dive in right away. Luke chapter 2. Hang on. We're going to turn to the passage that's in your bulletin in just a second. Luke chapter 2. Let me read the Christmas story here for a moment. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And we hear that story a lot. And it is easy to let those words roll past and just kind of miss it and go, yeah, right, Christmas. Right? Let's make sure we grasp the depth and the breadth of what's going on. As angels are filling the multitude, sides all over the place, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, crying out, glory to God in the highest. And remember, the shepherds, the lowly, are told, hang on, your sign, wouldn't you think that would be like a really awesome thing? Like the sign you're going to see is a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. You're like, dude, that's not very awesome, right? And the greatness of the God of the universe in the simpleness of what was going on, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in what a cow eats out of. That's your sign. And uh, so who is this God? Who is this Lord Jesus Christ that we need to know much of? Who is this God that the angels come by the tens of thousands to thunder forth praise for? That's what we're going to look at today, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, as we dig in a little bit to just who is this Christ, this King. Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And uh, who is he and how should we respond to him? Point number one, hear our great King. Jesus is a living message of God's love and power. 
Point one, hear our great king. Jesus is a living message of God's love and power. So here we go. Hebrews 1, it starts out, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Let's just hang right there for a moment. It starts out, Long ago, at many times and in many ways. Man, this is an epic start, right? Long ago, at many times and in many ways. It's kind of like Star Wars, isn't it? Don't you, you kind of picture that moment where it's just sort of scrolling past in the long ago. I read, read a little bit on Star Wars for this thing. Do you know in the beginning, right, it was kind of before computer animation, the first Star Wars, they literally printed the thing out and then a guy with a camera had to kind of walk past it and they had dozens and dozens and dozens of takes because it just didn't look like it was going into the galaxy. It looked like a guy was just walking past it with a camera. So they did all these different shoots from different angles to get it and man, I'm telling you, In the epic start of any drama comes the statement setting the stage. And he's like, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, just so you know, in the original language, each of those words starts with a PL sound. So there's this sort of poetic statement going on. Three words that covers all of those words in the original language, and it's long ago, It's a distant past. Many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God made it clear what he was thinking. And God made it clear what he was headed for. And he did this through men called prophets. He shared out through them the hope that he had, the plan that he had, the vision and direction that he had. And these prophets... Man, their job was to share that out with the people around them. They received the message from God, sometimes through dreams, sometimes through an actual spoken word thundering to them, sometimes through an animal talking to them, right? All kinds of weird moments where God spoke to man and made it clear what was going on. They didn't have the written word, the Bible, recorded down by prophets and set forth. So each moment became a unique expression in itself. Think of that problem. Think of how many times somebody would stand up and say, God told me to tell you, but it really wasn't God. And so how did you know? And so God actually would usually set up signs with these guys and things would happen. They would be able to know things or do things or be able to show things so that it became perfectly crystal clear this was someone you should listen to. Man, God worked through prophets He made and revealed what he was going to do with the nation of Israel. He revealed who should be chosen as king. He revealed what he was planning to do next. God sent along messages. And he worked through the prophets. And to praise God for that man. That he actually shared across to us through prophets hope. And he's like, just so you know, that was awesome. And that was long ago. And in many times, in many ways, dreams and all that kind of stuff, whatever the different ways that he shared out. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but. Make sure you read scripture really super carefully, right? And so as you read through, every little word does matter. And hear the word but, it means but exactly the opposite now, right? So I set that up long ago. There were lots of prophets. There was lots of different things going on, many different times and ways. Now we're talking about one way, one person. He says, but 
in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus Christ. Everybody just say, that's Jesus. And this is Jesus Christ he's talking about. And he has come into this world and his entry into the world brought a message. He was speaking, not just whispering, he was thundering forth a message. And uh, I just wrote these words down. Our life lived is louder than our words spoken. Just so you know that. Our life lived is louder than our words spoken. And he's like, just so we're clear, there were some words shared out, but then God Almighty came in. Jesus Christ entered this world and thundered forth as he lived, as he spoke, as he taught. He revealed out a sweet and powerful message. I'll just say it this way. God screamed his message into this world as he lived it right in front of us. And all of God's people said, praise God that we have a God who reaches into our lives, Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, what message did he bring? A few words I just wrote down. He brought a message of love. Uh, God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love and humility. He stepped down. He clothed himself with the very creation he had made. Humility and sacrifice. He went to the cross. He died for us and he rose for us. Love, humility, sacrifice, hope, and power, and healing. And there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. We have hope in him. And get this, man, one of the major messages, God has a plan. And he knows what he's doing, and he knows where he's headed. And this world, while it is broken, is being restored one moment at a time, and God Almighty is going to thunder in and usher in the ultimate and final perfecting moments. The end is his. We are confident in it. He has shared it, and he's letting us know, just so you know, I'm right here right now to let you know I've got a plan. And uh, praise God for that. He came thunderously screaming into this world with a message of love and humility and sacrifice and hope and power of healing and of a plan. God had a message, and he brought it forth clearly. And I'm just telling you, it requires us to listen well. And uh, just so you know, we've become pretty poor listeners in America, right? Some of you are like, what did you just say? <laughs> you know you were. You were totally checked out. And he said something about listening. I don't even know what he said. And, and man, nowadays we have these cell phones, right? They buzz off in our pockets. Some of you even have little special watches because you only feel it buzz here. You're not sure what it says. So you have a little watch that actually tells you. So you can just look down. So in the middle of any conversation, it's like there's always somebody standing next to you tapping you on the shoulder, right? And it, it's really, there's this constant interrupting going on. And I have nothing against Apple watches or anything. Don't feel like you need to write an email on that. Enjoy those watches, <laughs> all right? Just enjoy those watches along the way. Just know, man, it's a constant interrupt. And uh, in the midst of it, we probably become a little less of a skilled listener. You know that? We really don't listen that well sometimes. And so I just wrote down uh, three things required in the art of listening. Three things required in the art of listening, all right? Number one, focus. Focus. 
Man, did you know that we think four times faster than we actually speak? And when the other person is speaking, woo, can we think, right? And so as they're talking, our mind is running on with all these other thoughts, and sometimes it's like connected to it, and sometimes it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. We just kind of thought of other things, and we're all over the place. Sometimes it's connected very randomly, and sometimes it's not connected at all. In our home, when it's connected randomly, we call it uh, spaghetti logic. It's sort of connected like spaghetti, you know, it's all woven together and intertwined, and somehow that noodle's connected to this noodle, but you have no idea how, right? One of those. And just be careful as you're listening to someone that you're focusing well, right? That you don't let your mind run off at four times the rate of their mouth, but instead you focus down on what they're saying and being able to pay attention along the way and, uh, and make sure you're hearing what they're saying focus. And the second one, follow. Are you catching the big point of what they're trying to say? Like if every time that you're listening to them, your focus is a little bit off, and so really you're just listening for words or concepts that bring in the new idea, right? Four times faster like we were talking about, and all of a sudden some other idea pops up. That means when they're talking along and they're trying to make a big point, the reality is you're missing the big point because you heard this little subtle detail and you're like, oh yeah, that reminds me of yesterday when? And you jump in and you make a comment about, and and then they're like, are you hearing me at all? Have you ever had one of those moments? It's just me. Have you ever had one of those moments? Yeah, I agree with you. I have too. And, And where you're sharing something and maybe they don't catch it and they're totally off over in left field or maybe they're sharing something with you and you're like, I completely missed what they were saying, but boy, did I have a great thought of my own there. And, uh, and focus. And follow. Make sure you're following the line of logic of what they're sharing and the point that they're trying to make. Jumping off all over the place is not the art of listening. Right? And uh, so focus and follow. And and then here's the third one. Feedback. And uh, what I'm hearing you say is, right? That's a really powerful tool, just so you know. When you're talking to someone, you're like, okay, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is, And you begin to say it back. And they might be like, how did you get that out of what I just said? Right? And then they begin to share again. And they might actually say, yes, exactly that. Right? And now they feel very heard. Right? Just so you know, there are some spouses sitting in here right now who are like, I thank God for this message right now. And I so... I so appreciate this being said. Right? It's just the art of listening, man. Let's work well at focusing on following the line of what's being shared, on giving feedback along the way. And just so you know, the same is true when it comes to a message from our God. Man, focus. Don't let your mind run at 40 miles an hour and you miss the very point that's trying to be made. You're skidding through some passage of Scripture and you're not really catching what it's saying. God's actually pressing into your soul and you're thinking all about the afternoon and the food you have to cook and the people you're going to talk to and whatever else. And man, take time to focus. Just take a deep breath and let that change you, okay? Take that deep breath. And listen well. Focus. And uh, follow. Make sure you capture the big idea of what God is sharing. Make sure you're not losing it in the nuances and jumping off to something else. And please hear me on this. Feedback. Just so you know, that's really what prayer is. So God, here's what I'm hearing you say. 
That's really what prayer is. Prayer is not this moment you take where you try to move God off of his divine throne to do your thing. That's not prayer. And many of us may have been taught that growing up where it's like just keep banging and banging and banging until you get your way. Man, God's in charge. He knows what's going on. You let him reign. You let him rule. He has a message to share with you. Are you listening? Are you locked in? Are you giving feedback along the way? God, here's what I'm hearing you say about my life. And God's like, yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Man, may we be skilled listeners as our God screams forth a message through Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, all right. The art of listening as he has sent a message through his son. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity being reflected here. And so God the Father, whose will is put in play at all times, he's in charge and really owns it all, God the Father. And then we have God the Son, who is absolutely uh, loving and reaching out to us, and we see so much more about him being revealed in just a second. God the Son is Jesus Christ. It says, whom he, everybody say that's the Father, appointed the heir of all things. Jesus Christ was appointed heir of all things. How can God the Father do that? How can he be like, you're in charge of all things? Well, the reason he can do that is because he's in charge of all things, right? So God the Father in charge of everything is like, I'm going to hand this over to you. The Father handing across the inheritance, he is now an heir, and he's handing over what he owns rightly to Jesus Christ. He has now become the heir of all things. Of how many things? All. Don't forget that. All things. Some of us like to put Christ in a corner. And we like to think of him only in this area. Or maybe we only give him like an hour to an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. That part I'll give you. The rest is mine. And Jesus Christ, he owns everything. It is all his. He is the heir of all things. Given to him by the Father. Appointed by the Father. It says, through whom he created the world. Through whom he created the world. Did you know that? Jesus Christ actually created the universe. You may not have known that. Yes, he came to die on the cross, but more than that, originally he was the one who spoke it into existence. In the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1, we actually see God saying, let us Make man. There's a plural there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit playing together, working together on this. Genesis 1 1, where it says the Spirit is actually hovering over and God the Father in charge of. And we see from Colossians 1, where Jesus Christ is actually the Creator. When the words are said, let there be light, that is the words of Jesus Christ. Hear that, man. His word ultimately so powerful that he speaks creation into existence. Now it's according to the will of God the Father and with the Spirit all around, all of them together. But Christ is creator. Everybody say, he is creator. And so ultimately when God needs to step down into humanity to make a message sent, who steps into creation? The one who created it. And Jesus Christ, he speaks And this world exists. He is God Almighty. He is ultimately in charge. Creator of the universe. His word is the way it goes. And that's the end of it. Jesus Christ. 
That's who we're talking about. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. You see, for us, when we hear that symbol, we're like, that's kind of a lame sign, man. It's small. But for the angels, they were like, get this. The God of the universe clothed in flesh like a baby wrapped up and with swaddling clothes wrapped around and put where cows eat. Now that's a sign, man. That's humility. That's love. That is God Almighty reaching down. For the angels, they were stunned and in awe. And all they had to say was, glory to God in the highest. That's a king. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal. The sign, as small as it is to us, well, that's the point. Humility and lowliness. Philippians chapter 2, as he set it down to become a man. He clothed himself with the very creation that he had spoken into existence. God thunderously stating into this world, I love you and I'm here for you. And I have a plan. Jesus Christ. He is heir of all things. He is creator of all things. You know, this past year, uh, we did a lot of work in Haiti. We planted several churches out there uh, over the past several years. And we were out to help train some pastors to continue planting there. And, and uh, Pastor Steve McGinnis and I went out there to uh, do a little bit of training. It was about five days straight, and uh, it meant about eight hours a day of talking and teaching. It was the kind of talking where they only speak French, and so you speak a sentence, you let somebody translate it, then you speak, they translate, then they ask a question, translate. So it kind of slows it down a little bit, right? You're moving through seven or eight hours every day. You need to stay really focused. You need to follow what's going on. You need to give feedback. What I'm hearing you say is, right, the art of listening. As we work through all of that, and uh, it was a great time there. One thing I realized is we were going to have a number of people kind of all there at the same time. And I had to make sure I got some sleep. Have you ever slept in a room with like nine other guys? You never know, man. You just never know. Okay, who's a snorer, right? Who like absolutely thinks they're not a snorer and won't admit it, but everyone knows they're killing the room, right? And I'm like, I can't live with that. That's really not going to be good when I have to teach eight to nine hours a day. So I went out and bought noise-canceling headphones. Do you know what I'm talking about? These things are unbelievable. You put these headphones on, and it's not just headphones that sit on your ears. Then you turn them on. You literally have to turn them on. They're active noise-canceling headphones. So when you turn them on, all the sound around you goes away. It's gone, man. It is so quiet. It is amazing, these headphones. So I brought them in, and the air conditioning wasn't working. It was really hot down there. And the, so we had fans on that sounded like turbo props on a plane, man. They're going off like, and I put these things on and I went, oh yeah. And I laid down, fell asleep. The next day we woke up and somebody's like, who was snoring? And I'm like, may have been me. I don't know. I have no idea. I was good, man. These noise canceling headphones were glorious. And uh, so now I have them at home. They worked well for the five days of Haiti. So I decided, you know, I'll start watching movies at home. You know, we watch a little bit of something on Netflix or something. And so my wife goes to bed a little earlier than me. So we get in bed. I turn on Netflix and I put these things on. And you can't hear anything. 
and the room is dark, and you're watching the screen, and your eyes kind of get fixed on that. So when you look up, it's, it's pitch black, right? And then my wife says to me, good night, which, of course, I don't hear at all, <laughs> right? And it's like, hey, good night, hon, and I don't respond. And then she reaches out of the darkness <laughs> and touches me. I don't even know if you know this. And touches me, freaks me out <laughs> as this hand comes out of nowhere. Ah! Right? And you're like, what? And you pull the headphones up, what? She's like, good night, hon. Good night. Like, I have to take a walk now and calm down. Right? Put it back on. Freaked me out. It took a handful of times before I got used to it. I still kind of freaks me out, but I'm a little more used to it now as I put on my noise-canceling headphones, which absolutely are stunning in their function. And question for you. Do you have noise-canceling headphones on when it comes to the message of Jesus Christ? Are you missing the message being sent? Is it filtered out? Can't hear it? It's all about your world, your thoughts, your feelings. Man, please hear me. God has a message. Time to take the headphone off. Time to get that filter off and hear him. Focus on what's being said. Follow the simple message of his love and his humility for you. And watch God reveal the greatness of himself. May we hear our king. And all of God's people said, that's the first. Second, thank our generous king. Jesus came with a purpose, a life-altering plan of forgiveness for us. Thank our generous king. Jesus came with a purpose, a life-altering plan of forgiveness for us. And he starts out here, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The word radiance actually comes from two Greek words put together. It means emanating light. It means a brightness coming off of him. And what is the source of it? The glory of God. The greatness and the perfection of God stunningly being revealed through Jesus Christ. The glory of God shining forth. And we've talked about this before with the glory of God. What is it? And I think the best way to think of it is just like as wet is to water, as heat is to fire, so glory is to God. It's the very essence of his presence being revealed out and the very essence of God Almighty radiating through Jesus Christ, this thunderous statement of the greatness of God coming out. And uh, just so you know, Isaiah 53 says that when Jesus clothed himself with humanity, fully God stepped down to clothe himself with humanity. Uh, really, that, not that stunning of a looker. Did you know that? Like Scripture says, Isaiah 53, that there really wasn't anything that great about his looks. And when you're the creator of the universe, is that the choice you'd make? Right? You think about the choice. He's like, well, I could be the most glorious human being that ever existed. That would be nice, right? And that would be a legit choice for the creator to choose. Instead, he's like, let's go mid-grade. We're making a statement here. And uh, for those of you who look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, eh, just so you know, Jesus did the same thing. And he's like, I chose this. Making a statement here of humility along the way. And uh, Jesus Christ, man, he is the radiance of the glory of God, and it wasn't his physical stature. 
He wasn't a six foot six, broad shouldered, thick chested Jewish guy that nobody else was like, and the rest were all like five four. That's not what was going on. He was just like the rest of them, and in fact, even a little lower than some of them in look. It wasn't his physical stature, it was his character. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Man, he was the expression of God's greatness revealed through man. And man, I just, can you imagine what people would have been saying about him? Dude, have you met that Jesus guy? I can't explain it. There's just something about that guy. Like you hang with him for a while and it just stirs your soul. I can't explain what's going on. There is something so unique about that Jesus guy, right? He is the radiance of the glory of God, the greatness of God revealed out in the expression of man. Now he goes a little further in explaining that. He says the irradiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. So we're going to get a little deep here now, all right? Here we go. Get a little heady for a moment. The exact imprint of his nature. This word in the original language actually is a word that you might have heard of before. I'll I'll pronounce it like the Greek. Ready? Here you go. The Greek word is character. Are you hearing it? Character. And that's where we get the word from. And it literally means imprint. Like somebody, maybe a mentor or a teacher has trained in, a parent has shaped in, and there's been some impact into you. It's about an imprint into your life that leaves you moving forward much like that, okay? But in this term here, an exact imprint, literally the divine nature of God pressing into the humanity. So he is fully God, fully man, being revealed out. The exact imprint of God into humanity. He didn't become less God in order to take on flesh. And uh, you might be like, I don't know how that works exactly. I'm kind of confused by that. And uh, join the club, man. Join the club on that one. There is extreme uniqueness to the greatness of Jesus Christ. But hear me, the fullness of God Almighty expressed into the fullness of man. An exact imprint and the glory of God radiating out. Basically, flesh became a playground for God to reveal his greatness in. And it wasn't that it looked like God. It's that Jesus is God. Everybody say, Jesus is God. And Jesus is man. Say it with me. And Jesus is man. And those two things are the miracle of Christmas. Fully God became fully man, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in what a cow would eat out of for you and me. Praise be to God. And that is hope. And uh, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by, his, by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And that's a nice phrase, isn't it? There's times where we'd like to say that about ourselves, isn't it? Where things are going well and we're like, I uphold the universe by the word of my power and that isn't even close to true. And Jesus Christ is like, just so you know, I spoke it into existence and by my presence I sustain it. Colossians 1 confirms this same passage. His presence sustains the very universe we know. Every single one of us breathes our next breath 
that one, because of him sustaining. His presence in this world holds it all together. That's the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's the one we're worshiping. May God get all the glory. He says, the exact imprint of his nature, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Just so you know this word here for word, there's actually two of those uh, in the Greek. You could say the word word either way. And uh, this one they chose to use means collection of words put together, meaning a message. It's the word rima. This means message. The overall statement being made by his power as he holds the universe together and then steps into the creation itself. As he's holding it together, he steps in amongst and he ends up carrying that flesh with him as he walks among creation and he radiates out the greatness of God in and among creation. A message was brought of power and authority and love and humility, and Jesus Christ is that message. Praise be to God. It says, after making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is super important. We grasp this. Why come to earth? Like, here's what it was not. Everybody say not. Here's what it was not. Hey, I bet I could do something really cool. Want to see me put on some humanity, some flesh, and kind of blow people away for a little bit? Like it wasn't that. It was so much more purposeful. He had a goal of stepping in for a reason. Purification of our sins. Covering what we could not cover. Hear me, man. We are creation, each and every one of us. And we have sinned. That's a biblical word, but in fact, it's just a sports term. It just means I pulled back and I aimed for the bullseye, and when I released, I missed the bullseye. I missed the outer rings. I missed the whole target. I came up short and I hit the sand. That's what it means. Came up short and hit the turf. It's like our term today for basketball where we say everybody shot an an air ball, right? That's all he's saying. And we've all shot an air ball. All of us has come up short. We've missed the mark. We're not perfect problem. The cost for that is eternal separation from God Almighty. We've chosen to rebel against. We are now separated from. And that's what hell is all about. It's a place where God isn't in his expression of himself. It's a huge deal. He pulls back on his expression there. It is a distancing from God. That's a big deal, man. And there is a huge, massive cost for our sin. And we cannot cover it. There is nothing we can do. There is no righteousness I can come back and clean up where it gets good enough that now I'm standing good with God. I can't do it through works. Everybody say, not through works. So then what's the hope? How do we get this thing covered? Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. His blood. He lived perfectly and a sacrifice made that now doesn't cover him, so it's allowed to cover others. And he uses his death on the cross and his blood to cover you and to cover me if we will just believe, if we will just confess him as Lord. That's the hope of Christmas. 
Jesus Christ. He has died on the cross. He has risen again. He is raised up. He has shown his power and his authority. He has offered up a sacrifice that will cover our sin. And all we need do is believe that he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord. And scripture says, and you will be saved. Man, the whole idea of salvation is my works won't get it done. His works do. Him on the cross him for me. Everybody say, him for me. me. And that's the message of Christmas. He came. Purification of sins being the goal. It says, then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What is going on with this? Man, he was uh, ascended up into the heavens and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 1 talks about it as well. And what does that mean? Well, the right hand, it's the ruling hand of God, the judging hand of God, the discerning hand of God. What is fair and just comes from the right hand, poetically. And Jesus Christ sits at his right hand, meaning this, job done. Get this, man, nothing more is needed. It is not the Jesus and plan. It is the Jesus only plan. And all of God's people said, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we have hope. The work is done. The decision is made. The offering has been made available. And as he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, he literally has accomplished all that we need. He has brought a message of love and of humility and of hope. He has gone to the cross He has died for us and he has risen for us. He is the radiance of the greatness of the glory of God expressed into this world. Christmas, there is a huge reason to celebrate. And it's all about the greatness of our king. It says then, having become as much superior to angels as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus Christ, greater than the angels. Now, it actually says in Hebrews chapter 2 that when he clothed himself with humanity, he became a little less than the angels. Did you know that? So it kind of goes like this. God the Father, right? And God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So we have God up top, angels, and then man. We're below angels. And then the rest of creation below us. And so it goes God, angels, man, rest of creation. And when God Almighty steps down and clothes himself with humanity, he has become a little less than the angels at that point. And yet when he was ascended back on high and seated at the right hand of the Father, declared to be heir of all things, taking back what is rightfully his as the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God, the second person of the Trinity, he went back above angels and now he is above the angels Praise be to God. He humbled himself, and God has then elevated him back up, God the Father. We have a huge moment of Jesus Christ being stated as greater than all creation. And all of God's people said, and that is a huge message to grasp. All right. You know, uh, this past week was a big week for our family. Uh, My older daughter, Megan actually had her last exam in college. She graduated on Thursday afternoon, uh, somewhere around 2 o'clock-ish. 
and uh, finished up her last exam, and she was on her way home. So she has done graduated. Praise God for that. And uh, so she has her graphic design degree. Amen for that. We'll applaud with you. And, uh, and uh, all right. I didn't mean at all to draw an applause there, so thank you. There's a lot of graduates in here. We applaud all of you guys. And, uh, but, uh, you know, she's a graphic design major and excited about going on to that next step. And I'm just telling you, as she was finishing up her final art project, um, we had some things we were working through together. That ended up over the Thanksgiving break, and she needed to get a portfolio together for her art show. And uh, look, man, I was an engineer. I, we did uh, math things for me to graduate. So this art stuff is like well beyond me. And uh, she's like, no, I need to get a portfolio. And we start talking it through. And she had a company that she was talking with. And they had some things that she needed. But she was going to do some of it by hand. And so she was making like the outer covers of her portfolio. But she wanted to buy some of the pieces. And so she called this company uh, up in Canada to be able to ask them a few questions. And um, Megan asked them, hey, do you have some of these pieces for sale? And uh, I, I don't even know exactly which piece it was, but they showed that they had a price next to them, right? So they show the parts, and then they show the holes, and then they show the price next to it. So it's a legit question. Do you have these pieces for sale? And the woman said, we sell portfolios. She's like, right. But I see that you have prices for these parts next to them, so I'm wondering if you sell those parts separately. And the woman said, what do you think? right? Can you? I mean, that's some heat, man. And Megan's like, well, <laughs> I think maybe yes, because there's a price next to it. And, and so that's why I called you. But now, based on your tone, I'm thinking no, right? And uh, so she said, seriously, do you? And the woman said, what do you think? Twice, man. And, and Megan said, all right, it seems like you're saying no, but I'm not sure if I'm reading you correctly, right? Good feedback. She's like, here's what I'm hearing you say. You're a mean person. No, that's not. <laughs> here's what I'm hearing you say. You don't do that. Is that what you're saying? And she said, we sell art portfolios, and they are phenomenal. If you want one, let us know. Do you want one? And Megan said, well, no, I click and hung up on her. We had a little debrief session on that later <laughs> as we talked it through. And, uh, but I'll just tell you this, man. Here's a little quote that I put down this week. Prideful expectation breeds thanklessness. Prideful expectation breeds thanklessness. This woman got to a point where she's like, we're so awesome. If you don't want us, I'm hanging up on you. I don't need you. You need me. Prideful expectation breeds thanklessness. In fact, really just expectation in general breeds thanklessness at some level. You know, if somebody's delivering up for you something and it goes really well and they keep delivering that way over years, you kind of get used to not coming up and saying thank you. You just kind of get used to it. It's going really well, right? And uh, so in general, expectations met can breed thanklessness, but man, prideful expectation really breeds thanklessness. And simple question, how are you doing on your thanking your God? Do you have an expectation problem going on? Maybe even a pride that's rising up within and you're like, I will not thank you, God. I'm going to do it my way. And be super crystal clear on this. Our God is a humble God. 
He is a loving God. He loves you with all he's got. He has come to this earth. He has died and risen for you. He loves you. Man, do not turn away from your king. Thank him. Praise him. Lift him up. May prideful expectation not be the earmark of our lives. And all of God's people said, amen. Number three, real quickly here, let's just walk through a couple of verses that sort of exclamation point it. Worship our glorious king, who is superior to all creation, including the angels. Worship our glorious king. So we're to hear him, we're to thank him, and now we're to worship him with all we've got. He says here, as we just kind of move through these verses quickly, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Psalm chapter two, verse seven, talking very clearly about that moment where Jesus Christ, fully God, establishes and takes on fully man flesh, the God man. And and when was that ever said about the angels? And the answer was, it wasn't. Everybody just say, it wasn't. Man, that's a huge deal. Only said about Jesus Christ. Or again, in 2 Samuel 7, 14 here, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, God the Son, and a huge deal. It says again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Clearly a statement that Jesus is above the angels. He is above all of creation. And that comes from Deuteronomy 32, 43. The greatness of Jesus Christ. He is to be worshipped. He is to be thanked and praised. Hear his message and respond to him. It says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. That comes from Psalm 104, verse 4. Let's be honest, man. That's pretty awesome. He's like, let's be really super clear. The angels are stunning. And they're like flames of fire when they thundered forth on that mountainside. Glory to God in the highest. Man, I'm telling you, Those shepherds got shivers sitting there hearing that, and they went, whoa, something big's going down. And uh, it's a big moment. Angels are phenomenal created beings. And uh, But, everybody say but. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Your throne, O God, Jesus is God. Everybody just say it with me. Jesus is God. God, huge deal. Of Jesus Christ, it is said, your throne, O God. And if you've been wrestling with where in Scripture does it say that Jesus is God, welcome to Hebrews chapter 1. The supremacy of Jesus Christ, the greatness of Jesus Christ, that he is above even the angels, all creation, that he is declared out by God the Father, your throne, O God, is forever and ever everlasting throne, Jesus Christ. He is the king who reigns eternal. It says, the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. This is the radiance of the glory of God beaming forth his absolute perfection, Jesus Christ. And Christmas As we take a deep breath, as we move into this last week coming up to celebrating Christmas, know this, you serve the risen Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He is God 
himself. Fully God, stepping down and clothing himself with humanity and taking on humility as he was found wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying where animals eat. Your God for you. He loves you. It says at the end here, therefore your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Know this, man. We will worship the name of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Man, I'm telling you this. This room is filled with some thousand plus, couple, whatever, 1,200 people in this room. And God is going after it. We are being stirred right now and our job is to make much of the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. He has come into this world for you and for me, humble, a message shouted forth. We serve the risen Savior. And all of God's people said, man, we serve the God of the universe. And he has come. His name is Jesus Christ. The sign wrapped humbly in swaddling clothes for you and for me. May God get all the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. How should we respond to this King? Hear Him, thank Him, and worship Him.